0: This is the Voice of the Land podcast with your hosts, Kevin Arnold and Nick Paulus. We're
1: back. (laughs) What's going on? It is yet another episode of the Voice of the Land podcast. It is the Bernie Kosar episode, episode number 19. Yes, we know we were off. Last week, we have reasons for that and bona fide reasons at that for that. We'll get into that in a second, but we want to welcome you guys all to the Bernie Kosar episode, Voice of Land. I am Kevin Arnold, one of your hosts, and alongside me, as always, my brother, Nick Paulus. On today's episode, we need to give our take on the Browns draft, everything that went down there. Of course, rookie minicamp just started today, so we have a little bit more information to go off of as we get into those conversations. Indians are into their second month of play already. They are sitting at 16-13 and on the season, but dealing with some injuries, we're going to talk about the significance of those injuries moving forward and where this team really needs to pick it up as they go forward to try to make a run in the Central Division as they've done the last several years. And we may end with a little hockey talk combined with soccer. There might be a rant of the week in there somewhere. We don't know. We'll see how much time we have to get to it. We'll
0: squeeze it in, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, because I think we need to give at least reactions to Marvel because we usually have that going on. We didn't get a chance to do that last week, so I have a feeling there's going to be somehow, some way, Endgame. We'll we'll try and sneak that in too. Endgame will be will be on here somewhere. Don't worry. Even though the Russo brothers said spoilers are allowed on Monday, we released, we probably released this before then. So no spoilers on this on no this spoilers, podcast. Nothing. Just yet. Just yet. There might next, be, week. Next, next week. Next week there will. might be some references yeah. at least to yeah, some spoilers. For sure. But before we get into all that, remember you guys can follow us on Twitter at VTL underscore pod. Follow Paulus at C L E underscore Paulus on Twitter. Follow myself at Kevin In7. That is V A N. I-N-S-E-V-A-N. Play on words. We love words here. Words can be difficult. Wor- <laughs> words are hard. yeah. Words hashtag, are tough. Yeah. Hashtag words are hard, but oh, so fun. Remember, you guys can always find us on Google, Spotify, Apple. Um, we always post through Anchor, but you guys can find us on several different platforms. You can find us everywhere. Before we get into our draft analysis, I guess, Paulus, what's been going on, man? Do we want to update the people on, on the reason we were off last week? Well...
0: The reason why we were off last week is because I had a little bit of a you know car issues, you know something that you know we're getting hooked up right now. Hopefully, my brother-in-law is a great mechanic. Mm-hmm. You know he has his own uh, he has his own shop. You know for the most part in his uh, in his garage. I mean we're talking like state-of-the-art stuff that he has in there. So uh, he definitely has the hookup going on right now. We're hopefully getting it fixed up this weekend, and uh, won't be you know having to drive other people's uh, vehicles <laughs> uh, actually. Surprise for you! Uh, my wife is in the other room, right over there. So you'll finally get to meet Kelly. Uh, wow! So yeah, so that'll uh, that'll be fun there for us. But uh, right now, yeah. So we drove up together. You know, she had the day off. She got the day off early today, so figured I was like, "Hey, you want to head up?" She's like, "Yeah, I got some homework." Hop in the other studio. So, uh, so yeah. So she's, she's up here, and uh, yeah, it's she's gonna okay, be great. Waiting, huh? That's right. We always got to make them wait. That's what <laughs> always you always got to do. I wouldn't know what that's like just yet. That
1: <laughs> You'll find out, man. <laughs> well, I guess my time off has been exhausting, to say okay. the least. A lot of work. We may have some. We may have some news coming up here about the podcast. Okay. Some additional. Oh yeah. Some uh, some new ways of getting access to this podcast. Had a had a meeting this week. We gonna leave it at that. Keep it on the DL. Yeah, keep it on the DL for now, but just be on the lookout for some updates on that. I had an interview yesterday... How'd that go? I think it went well. Honestly, it was short, but it was more, you know, they asked me a couple of questions and then kind of walked me around the the radio station and showed me because there's like three different radio stations built into the one place. Yeah, and you know, just had a, it was a quality ten minute conversation. So sure. although it was short, it was straight to the point, and that's kind of what I like. Like, yeah, absolutely. Kind of yeah, you don't want to be BS around. And, yeah, yeah, and extending the time and trying to trying to fill a bunch of time like if you have great conversations going on and it goes out to interview interview goes to 30 minutes that's one thing more power too but if you're trying to make that time kind of extend out but you've already gotten to the point Yep. You know, it's, I don't know, it's not about the time, quantity of how long the interview is. It's more about the quality of it. So I think it was just, it was a good conversation. It was a good experience for myself to good. to get that going. I do want to mention, though, um, over these last couple of weeks, uh, over the last couple of days, actually, one, one of my biggest mentors, Matt Lodi of NEOSportsInsiders.com, I wrote football articles for him. I'm helping him with Indians, going to be helping him with Indians covers this year. Um, he did announce that he uh, is dealing with stomach cancer. I'm not sure of the, the severity just yet. Kind of still waiting some, for more details. But he did announce that on Twitter. And I just wanted to use this platform to say that we hear the Voice of the Lamb podcast, our prayers, our positive thoughts are with you, Lodi, and your family. Um, we know that you are a strong, you are a, um, a very faith-driven, Driven man and you if any one of the people that can beat this, you are that person. I know he's gonna be he's gonna be ready to fight as soon as he kinda knows the the pathway, the treatment, but I just wanna make sure that everybody knows out there here at VTL, Our thoughts, our prayers, positive vibes going out to Matt Lodi, one of the the guys that has been a big mentor, a big help for myself.
0: And I know you've had some, you know, just some interactions. Yeah, some interactions with Matt. I mean, I know that he's a fighter and mm-hmm. that he's going to go all out for it. So yeah. I mean, couldn't say it any better. So I'm glad that you were the one yes. that bring that up. Absolutely.
1: So we're dedicating this episode. Uh, yes, it's the Bernie Kosar episode. The last uh, quarterback before Baker Mayfield that we had that was good in the city, but we also want to Make sure, we do dedicate this podcast to the work and the inspiration that Matt Lodi has given to us. Speaking of Bernie Kosar, Baker Mayfield, and the Browns, draft happened last week. This time last week, we were, it's about a whole week since we yeah. actually were on the clock and picked. Greedy Williams in the second round, the 46th pick as they traded up from 49 to get their guy as cornerbacks kind of fell after the first round was full of defensive linemen as it was going to be. Very deep position in the draft. And in the third round with the 80th pick, they picked Sione Takitaki, linebacker out of BYU. Um, also had several day three picks, picked uh, a couple notables there, linebacker Mac Wilson, Yeah, people from Alabama. Thought, a lot of people thought he could have been a day one or day two starter. There was word out there that
0: people wanted him to come back to school, and there may have been some information. Saban apparently was super upset mm-hmm. that he left so early because he really thought that he would have been a, a day one selection right. next year. Right, so information kind of, be, kind of being floated out
1: there, so that's kind of why he dropped. Uh, another notable, Sheldrick Red, Redwine out of Miami. Who just sa- signed. Just signed. They have signed three of the, three of the uh, picks that they've had so far, three of the seven. Um, they just had rookie minicamp started today, and a lot of guys got up and talked, listened to some of those press conferences. But haven't talked to you in a couple weeks though, Paulus. Your thoughts on the draft? Where, what your impression of what John Dorsey was trying to do with this draft after everything they've already done building this roster with a lot of quality talent?
0: John Dorsey did exactly what we wanted him to do, which was to go heavy on defense because we were so, we know what we have on offense. We know that we have a great quarterback. We have great great running backs, we have great wide receivers, we have a very solid and capable tight end group. Uh, our offensive line needed a little bit of work, that's why we drafted a couple of people. But to get down to the meat of it, we needed corners, we needed safeties, we needed linebackers. We needed a lot of that, you know, coming around, which was a huge part of the draft itself. There were so much defensive talent in this draft and we got I think the best cover corner if you go back to episode 18, uh, I the uh, ask you what Matthew Delvadova episode, yep. uh, if you go back to 18, that's the one person that I told you that I really wanted, and I thought we were going to have to trade up from 49 into the 20s, because you, you, we were talking about maybe trading to number 24 or 27 with the Oakland Raiders to mm-hmm. get greedy, and everything just started falling in place. The moment that Grady was available, right around pick 40, 43, Five, I was worried about the Patriots because everyone was saying the Patriots were going to trade up. They ended up trading up and they picked up. I can't even remember the corner's name, but he was the corner from uh, I believe it was from Washington. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe it. I thought, uh, here we go, Bill check's stealing the guy that I want, and we ended up. He just fell in our laps. He he really did. Uh, I know we had to trade. I think it was number well, it was number one forty four or something to yeah. get him. I'll do that all day. You give me the the best cover corner in the draft. The only reason why he falls in this draft is because people are worried about his tackling abilities. You don't pay a corner to tackle. Deion Sanders is in the Hall of Fame, not for tackling. He's in there for making INTs and making returns. And that's exactly what we needed. We needed that other corner to step up. I love the red wine pick. Red wine is is Jabril Peppers. That's exactly who he is. Dude can hit people. He comes down. He can play in the box. He can he can talk some smack. He wears, you know, the the U chain. You know, he's the turnover he's, chain. Yeah, got the turnover down there chain he has that. And then, you know, I love you know getting Mac. Mac is gonna be a solid, dependable you know, rookie linebacker, you know, learning from Kirksey and Schobert. Over the next year or so, we're gonna see either Schobert leave or Kirksey go, and you're going to be able to see Mac step right in for him, and that's what I'm looking for.
1: Heading into this draft, I knew that we needed safety depth, and I knew we needed linebacker depth. Yep. And I think Dorsey did a good job, a solid job, of addressing that with. Taki Taki and Wilson is linebacker. Redwine's a safety. Of course, um, you know we picked up a couple safeties in free agency and through trade as well. You just needed to build up those positions because they were thin. Because when you get past that first line, there wasn't enough. We mention it all the time on this on this podcast. The reality of the situation is yes, the expectations for the Browns are to. Make the playoffs, win their division. I'm still of the belief that people that are just saying Super Bowl or bust already are going too far. You have to you have to get to that point, learn how to win at that point to get to get there. Now if we go to the Super Bowl next year, that's that's great. I think that that's more icing on top of the cake, cherry on top of the ice cream, however you want to say it, not I'm expecting to go all the way to that point and then
0: not, you know, that's fair. Else, anything I mean, else is that is fair, but I think With the talent that you have, I think you have the most talented team in the NFL. Right. I think if coaching works it works for us, all Freddie has to do is maintain the offense and make sure that he can handle the egos. There's a lot of egos yes. on this team. If one guy starts thinking about himself, we're going to start falling, and there's going to be some issues. Everyone has to be in for the team mentality. And if everyone is all in for the team mentality, no one has a more talented roster. You could theoretically win the AFC. Right. Right.
1: And the fan in us says all that, and sure. the fans out there, that's why, that's why they're putting that kind of expectation or having those kind of dreams already from two years removed, or barely two years removed from 0-16... To thinking Super Bowl, but you brought the biggest point the ifs that are with this team. Yes, it's a lot of talent, but now they gotta find that chemistry, they gotta find that cohesion. Freddie Kitchens has to control all the Eagles or has to make sure that he sets up a system and allows what culture has already been developed to continue to develop where players take it upon themselves to hold themselves and each other accountable on this team so that egos are checked at the door and winning is the most important thing. What fans have to realize, and here's a reality check, what we bring all the time, you have to realize that a team has to go through the actual process. And teams that win the Super Bowl do not win the offseason. So it seems like the Browns are the biggest storyline in the offseason. A I, mix of negative I, and positive, but there is a there's a sense of all this emotion and anticipation in an offseason you have to win on the field. And that's I get that. I, I 100% at, uh, get where you're coming from. And I'm not trying to I'm not trying to downplay or crush any dreams or anything of that nature because I'm a fan and I want to go to the Super Bowl. I want that feeling. I just want to make sure we temper expectations and see what's really going on and what has to happen moving forward. What are the steps? The biggest word that people don't like in the city of Cleveland is the word process. LeBron started to make that word okay again especially after winning a cha- winning a championship sure. and continuing to preach the season is a process. Once you got once you get your roster together, then you get them on the court, then you get them on the field. You build that chemistry. It is a process to learn how to win together and using each other's mentality together for that common purpose. I I like the picks. I got to say I was I, I was kind of on the fence when we picked up Greedy. I kind of wanted, uh, was it Justin Lane? Was the corner from MSU? Yeah, the, yeah, the local from product. State. Yeah, local products out of, out here in Northeast Ohio. And my questions with him is tackling because you have two great cover corners, and Greedy Williams is a great cover corner. He covered some of the better wide receivers in the country. You're playing the SEC. You're going to cover speed. You're going to cover team all defense twice. Right. It's just. Now, we know Denzel Ward needs to adjust his form tackling sure. with the concussions 100%. he, yeah, you he dealt with. You can't be hitting with your head. So to have two corners that have tackling
0: as a question mark when you get into certain packages, those... <laughs> it could be issues. Yes. I, I agree with you, it could be issues on that, but that's why you play the game of defense, and that's why there's talk of us going and getting even more pass rush help, as in Gerald McCoy. Right, and I think defensive tackle is a spot you could... Still Still, you know, I like Sheldon. I like Sheldon. Oh yeah, I, I like Sheldon. I love Larry. You know, I think that you need a little bit more depth and getting Gerald and McCoy guys. In here. Like, yeah, absolutely. I yeah,
1: and it's not even like I'm looking for a name like Gerald McCoy. Like you just keep adding
0: name after yeah. name. I'm not looking. I don't need a Gerald right. McCoy, but we need. More than Jamie Meters. Let's be honest. You know, like there's there's a lot of help out there that that could still benefit us. And I think that, you know, Dorsey's gonna bring in the right mm. people and and we're gonna be able to go from there. I'm not too worried about once again, I'm not worried about the talent. I'm more worried about the egocentric mindset that we have in this locker room. I think Baker is the alpha of all alphas mm-hmm. in this locker room and I don't think that he's going to be you know the the woe is me mindset or, or you know get down on himself if you lose two games in a row because it's gonna happen you know no team is gonna go undefeated it, it just doesn't happen in the NFL and I think Baker has the right mindset of and, and he's been talking about it the entire offseason mm-hmm. just like Freddie Kitchens you know our roster looks good on paper de hell it doesn't mean a damn thing in Unless we start playing, you know, on, on the field and, you know, start doing work. And that's why I'm not too worried. And I, this is a little off track, but everyone was so concerned about Odell not showing up for the voluntary mini camps. And it doesn't yeah. bother me one bit because what's that word? Uh, voluntary? It doesn't matter. As long as he shows up to the mandatory, and he, honestly, as long as he shows up on September 9th or 13th or whatever the day is, you know, for our first game of the year. That's all that matters. I know he's going to come in ready. He's going to come in balling. Him and Baker already have a connection that they do every Mm offseason. I'm not worried about their connection. I'm more worried about the egocentric mind that's going on in that locker room. As long as we're winning, we're going to be fine. That's all that matters. Right, and I think people are naive to a
1: certain extent. Maybe it's too strong of a word, but naive to a certain extent that what the question mark you just brought up, how important those that question mark is for this team to work on and develop and move in the right direction as the season approaches. Yes, we have guys like Stone Cold
0: Steve Austin. That was pretty awesome.
1: Give me a hell yeah. You have him coming into your building. You got these stars kind of coming in or wanting to connect with this team. So there is a hype about this team. Oh, but John it's the
0: biggest it, hype out there. But
1: fans, if you truly trust in John Dorsey, listen to what he said. Hype is just hype. It does not win you games, it does not build a team on the field. We've he has built the roster and he's saying, Hey, Freddie and players, you guys gotta come in. If you if your mindset really is winning that Lombardi trophy, then you better come in every single day you're here and every single day that you're working on yourself and getting groups together out in LA or wherever you're at that mindset better be I need to get better today as cliche as that is I need to get better today I need to better myself I need to better my teammates I need to better the cause for this team each and every single day take it one day at a time and build towards the ultimate goal that is winning the championship that is the ultimate goal and to be afraid to say that would be ridiculous as well but also understand just temper expectations. That's that's all I'm trying to get. And I think maybe I'm
0: trying to temper my own. I think that's because I try, I think you're trying to convince yours to temper your own expectations. That's it's it's because, what it comes off as to me a little bit because I know you. You're as hyped up as me on the inside, but you don't want that to show right now because we're four months away. I learned from I mentioned his name already, and I know he's in L.A. now,
1: but I I learned that from LeBron. Him coming back here and fulfilling his promise of winning the first championship in 52 years for the city of Cleveland and what it really takes to get there and the amount of buy-in and the amount of sacrifice to get to that point I'm trying to make sure that football is the biggest sport in this city and we're going to need to make sure that we go through even more of that type of process to get to the ultimate spot nothing is given everything is earned that's right and thank you LeBron n- no true words have ever been spoken in this city than those right there And at at that, once we get to the point, then I'm sure somebody will say, they'll also repeat the words, Cleveland, this is for you. Well, my advice to you, Cleveland, this is for you. (laughs) Um, So transitioning a little bit over to another team that has some expectations this year The baseball team, the Cleveland Indians Again, we said they are sitting at 16-13 and Off to, I believe, the best start or one of the best starts in the Terry Francona era Still sitting two and a half back in the Minnesota Twins Three back Three back, three games back on the Minnesota Twins. Of course, the Indians play tonight. First pitch set for 7:10. Shane Bieber on the hill against the 17 and 14, or no, 18 and 15 Seattle Mariners. Uh, the Indians actually played really well against the Mariners when they went out to Seattle. So, be good to kind of. They have 18 of their 23 games in May are at home. Yeah. So you're going to want to use that
0: that home cooking to kind of go. You're going to want to turn those uh, Jets on because they're hitting an AL low, 215 offense. Yes. And they've only scored 111 runs so far this year. And that might be the element of the team they're going to have to rely
1: on more. As you are dealing with two key injuries to your pitching staff right now, of course Mike Clevenger has been out. Looks like he's making faster progress than we than people kind of anticipated. It was said that he would be out for six to eight weeks. After he kind of went down with the back issues, I think that torque he was putting on his back, throwing at 97. Now he thinks, like, oh, when I come back, I want to be even I'm gonna be even better, and I'm going maybe 98, 99. You know, he's already mentioned getting that velocity up there even more. I saw a video from the Indians that they tweeted out that he's on the field today throwing, trying to get some some pitches in. Then yesterday or a couple of days ago, Corey Kluber was on the mound, and in the fourth inning, yep, against the Miami Marlins comebacker to the mound hit him in the forearm on his pitching arm, fracture of the ulna bone. Word came down today that he does not—he's going to be reevaluated in three to four weeks, but does not need surgery as of now. That's the kind of the way that it was said. He'll be reevaluated and see how the bone heals on its own without having to do any surgery to it your concern level with the with the Indians and their injuries right now and what do we really do? what need what does this team need to rely on? What do they need to do to right the ship or keep it going in the right direction? To give themselves the opportunity late in the season to make that push.
0: Well, first off, I just want to put out there that you know we're all you know wishing for the best mm-hmm. for Kluber. I mean, and Yep. Yeah, and Clev, Yeah, for sure. A hundred two miles per hour off the bat, hitting yeah. him right in the forearm, snapping that forearm. I heard the sound uh, of it too. Yeah. I, I, oh, I, and uh, nasty. Yeah, uh, nasty, nasty uh, little. And then he even you know got off the mound. He tried to flip the ball to first, didn't get yeah. there in time. And um, you know, obviously, whenever you see Kluber pitch, he's a robot. I mean. I'm pretty sure he's a cyborg, mm. um, so he doesn't show any emotion. He doesn't show anything out there. You know, whenever they were touching his forearm, didn't show anything. I'm sure he probably you know told him I'm good to go. But they knew <laughs> right from the start yeah. that it wasn't that it was not good. So you know, obviously, hope for the best for them. They are going to need to rely on that pitching staff even more. And you're out your former ace because once again, I think Trevor Bauer's the ace now. Mm-hmm. And you're down your second best starter, who is Clevenger. Bieber is a fine prospect He's a very good number He's probably the best number 5 in the league Mm -hmm. Now he's being bumped up to Number 3 status behind Cookie And uh, Bauer I think that he is now a good 3 Not the great 5 but a good 3 But now you're going to need to bring up People from AAA and you're going to need to rely On that pitching staff even more And there's, there's a stat out there That Bauer's already pitched Like 90 pitches over any other Pitcher in the entire league so far he's pitched another game on top of everyone else so far it's because we leave him out there and he pitches 100 110 120 pitches you know every outing that he goes out there and he keeps walking people yeah. i don't get it he's he's more concerned about finding how to throw a certain pitch than he is trying to get someone out he keeps working on things because he thinks that he is the the most rubberist arm of all time the rubberist yeah, is the word but
1: you know i mean we're the day naive i I yes. it may have been a little strong talking about the Browns, talking about Trevor Bauer, naive to the fact that he can just go out there and pitch as, as long as he wants and be extended as long as he can in the game for his physical stat, stature and conditioning. I think he's a little naive to what the tolls of baseball and being a pitcher in Major League Baseball can do to you.
0: I just have this gut feeling that we have so much going on, you know, injury wise right now that it's really killing a lot of Mo here for us. It's mm-hmm. killing a lot of mojo around us right now. Uh, I don't see the offense switching on a light at any point in time right now which can be an issue yeah um the fact you know once again betting a low in al low of 215 right now just isn't getting the work done I know Frankie's turned it on with a couple of home runs you know over the last you know week or so and you know I'm hoping to see Frankie really turn it up here but we need Jose to step it up we need Kip we need we need a lot of people right now to turn it on for us and it's just not happening I don't mean to go
1: back to a rant we had a few episodes ago and things we've yeah, talked about. Yeah. But these injuries, as unfortunate as they are, and you wish for the best, they are now highlighting even more the inability for of of the Dolans, honestly. Yeah. The 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 naivety of the of the Dolans in the off season thinking you know yes we're going to cut all this payroll but you're not going to kind of reset the reset the deck like you you you're hearing from your front office who a lot of people trust that yes we're still contenders we still have this talent and you didn't supplement it with quality major league baseball There's starters no yeah. for Less than you're even you were even paying one person in Edwin Encarnacion, that money could have been used towards two or three guys to add depth to this roster and depth to this lineup to make it more potent. I'm not looking for some. You know, I mean the Yankees, they're not playing well right now. Red Sox, they're not playing well right now. So you can have all the big boppers you want in your lineup. Yankees dealing a lot of injuries to those guys. That's that's hurting them. But even when even when they're in there, these guys are still hitting at best thirty percent of the time. That's what baseball is. So It's great to have these big names in your lineup you have to create a professional baseball lineup that is going to be consistent and not just you're relying on one or two guys and then hoping hey this guy in the bottom part of our lineup is going to step up today then tomorrow this guy in the middle lineup is going to step up No, you need guys that are going to be consistent throughout and actually establish a major league roster. And now all of those downfalls, all those pitfalls of this roster, of this lineup over the last couple years on why you've been ousted in the first round. The last couple of years, they are coming back to bite you, to haunt you, and something needs to be done. Now, I know Terry Francona mentioned in his uh, press conference today, there was information that the beat reporters were putting out, that the team was going to have a meeting today, I believe with Terry Francona in it, just to kind of come together and... You know, talk about how the injuries are going to affect them and really express to one another how each person's going to step up during this difficult time. And I think one of the quotes was, and I'm going to paraphrase here, basically, either it's time to step up and go where we want to go or just allow all this, all the things, the outside noise, the injuries to affect us and bury us down AL yeah. Central lineup. That's that's really what this team is dealing with, and like I said, I do, I hate to harp on it so much, but that's that's the truth of the matter. Is that the lineup was not supplemented with enough enough depth, enough quality professionalism, to
0: overcome moments like this. I'm really hoping that. We have a couple of people on the farm system that are just going to blow the tops off the roof. Obviously, that's what we're all hoping for, that, you know, there's a couple of pitchers on there that we're like, you know what, that come up and actually show up and, and do really well for mm-hmm. us. But you can never count on prospects. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't want to count on prospects unless their name is Vladimir Guerrero Jr. You know, like that's yeah. the only person that you really can bank things on. But we don't have anyone like that in our farm system, at least not the topper. Not know, Level right I, I cover
1: the captains. There's a there's a guy by the name of Will Benson. It can but,
0: smack home runs all day, but yeah. strikes out every other and time. It,
1: and actually playing a lot better this year down in down in Lake County. Sure. That's still the first full season yep. class A level you can get to as a major league player, and he's in his second season there. I'm sure at some point soon, he's going to move up to high A or even double A Akron, Akron because right. he is playing more to what people thought he was sure. as Will Benson. Which is great, but we're not going to say Will Benson isn't right. going to be able to come and save the Indians. And that's the thing. A lot of these guys, even even the pitching staff, the pitchers are there is a lot of depth in the minor league system of pitchers. A a lot of them are lower down. There's a guy by the name of James Karinchak who just got moved up to, and our buddy Mac Robinson, who joined the show a couple episodes ago, he's a big fan of this guy, but he is a bullpen arm and just got moved up to AAA. So the bullpen has a lot of question marks right now, and answers from the minor league system just getting up to AAA right now and hasn't even pitched at all even an inning, or to one single batter in A, So they're not ready to come up to this level yet because they haven't gone through the whole process of being moved up. You don't have your 40-man roster that you get in September. So guys that are on this lineup are going to have to step it up. And I hope that this, this team meeting is not one of those that it's never good when you have to have a team meeting. You Especially hope it, this early in the year. Right. But you hope with Terry Francona at the helm and him being the decision maker of having this meeting that that's more of a positive thing because... Guys respond. No matter who comes into this organization, you know that they're gonna respond and respect Terry Francona as a manager.
0: He's best manager in the, you know in the major leagues. I mean, it's yeah.
1: is what it is. He's and he's a Hall of Famer. So how he can relate to the players and how he can how he can manage a game, but you can only manage so much with the talent that you have. It's true. Now switching gears to towards the end of the the episode here now I've been watching surprisingly enough I've actually been watching a lot of playoff hockey okay um, this is a bit of a change for me I you know I don't necessarily under the understand the sport completely i could understand it to have basic conversations sure but columbus blue jackets the the ohio team we have here in the nhl um i've actually gotten to go a couple monsters games mm-hmm. this year uh shout out to uh to uh, phil go- philip goth who's you know kind of uh, a friend through a friend getting tickets there to the monsters games and, and my buddy pat bachano Nice. Bringing me to those games, seeing the professional level of of hockey, and then now watching Columbus Blue Jackets games because I watched the first round and I watched some other of the Stanley Cup playoff games. Wow, wow, that is that's that's actually an experience watching playoff hockey. I think I'm of course I'm doing that because I don't
0: have basketball to watch right. this year. Um, I think it is it is very different because I'm coming at it from the standpoint I'm coming at it from a different standpoint. Okay. Now every you know everyone knows I'm I'm at ESPN Cleveland mm-hmm. and every time that they run a Monsters game it's a playoff game I'm actually on the board you know running you know running the game you mean Jackets games yeah for for Blue Jackets games yeah okay. I'm sorry so that's you huh that that is me behind yeah. the scenes I, I hit yeah you know, I fire those signals we're pulling know, all back the, time. the curtain yeah uh, don't pay no attention to the man behind that curtain yeah don't don't worry about that but <laughs> I like going to hockey games let me put it that way it is I a better
1: experience being at the
0: game than watching. Antioch. TV. Watch a freaking hockey game to save my life. I just can't do it. And why I, is that? I, I, because I, I that's how I was. The atmosphere isn't the same. It. The the atmosphere right. is not the same. And I'm sorry. I got to call people out about this. Uh-oh. I'm not going to call names out. But the people, all right, you can name me. It's all right. No, 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 no. <laughs> you're you're coming at you even you even said you're like I, I don't know 100 percent about hockey. No. But I'm getting into it, which yeah. is cool. That's fine. But the people have been saying, oh, I've been a Blue Jackets fan for years and I've I'm not a new fan. I've been a fan. The hell you have been? No way in hell have <laughs> you been, man. There is no doubt in my mind that that the bandwagon is so strong for the Columbus Blue Jackets. I'll oh, wait
1: till the Brown season. Man. I
0: I get it. Oh, believe me, I get right, that. Right. But there were people going back and forth with Boston fans yesterday about how strong Columbus traditions been. They've been around for 20 years. No one gave a damn about them. They hadn't won one freaking playoff series until oh, what, last series. And, you know, the first playoff series that they won was against Lightning, which is a historic series. I'll give you that. You beat the team with the most wins mm-hmm. in NHL history. You know, we're tied with you know the most yeah. wins. Which and the is monsters great.
1: knocked out their AHL and, affiliate, which is my league's perfect. affiliate,
0: which is perfect. But to say that you're a fan or that you've been, dude, you're just fan strong, man. That I hate it. I hate the fact that. people are coming out of the woodworks right now because it reminds me so much of like whenever LeBron left Mm -hmm. to go to the Heat and everyone was like, oh yeah, I've been a Heat fan for years. Oh, I loved it whenever D. Wade and Shaq teamed up. They were LeBron fans. Yeah, you're Bron fans. With them though, you don't even know a player on the Columbus Blue Jackets. I guarantee you. Not you personally, but said people on because twitter
1: because nobody can see this but you're looking at me I, uh,
0: i'm i'm looking at you but i'm looking at you as if you are a blue jackets fan you know like i'm right. looking at that and it just bothers me because i i hate i hate bandwagon fans man right. you know it, it's the worst i hate that i would consider myself a blue Jackets supporter that's
1: fine turning into kind of becoming a fan and sure. a, in a I guess but, intrigued by the
0: sport. But for people to say, I've been watching it for years. I right. hadn't watched a damn bit of hockey ever.
1: And as fun as the Brown season we expect to have this coming year, I have a feeling I'm gonna get a little frustrated by that too. Yeah. There was a reason, not just because we didn't call this podcast the voice of the land, just mm. just because of Larry Drew wanting to just be called the voice of the the voice right. of the Cavs that influenced our name, but that transitioned and we liked it the name stuck with us because we really are the voice of the land. We are the voice of fans. We try to be the voice reason for fans. But people that have been fans of this the teams in this city all our life so if anybody tried to question you or i oh yeah you're going at the wrong people don't yeah i'm telling you right now don't even try if you are thinking it if you've listened to this episode you're listening (laughs) to the first time and you want to come at us for that good luck good luck that's we'll leave it at that yeah in terms of the blue jackets yeah i become somewhat of a, a supporter and you know enjoying it went over somebody's house last night to watch the playoff game of course they lost last night 4-1 that series is tied you know the you know the Boston person that really annoys me
0: say it Barstool, Barstool. president but yep Dave Portnoy yep I, I don't now, I actually I don't I don't follow that dude on, on no Twitter. I don't either I, yeah, no I'm no I'm good. i I can't eat pizza anymore because lactose intolerant. Or whatever. I do love his pizza reviews. I'm not gonna like, lie. Like, yeah, that's what I was gonna yeah. say.
1: Like, I kind of like those. And I I'll, like yeah. if I'm on Facebook. Like, if I see one or like, it pops up it. in the video feed, yeah. then they start popping up. I just keep watching them. I'm I'm the
0: same way. I do like those. That guy's annoying, man. Dude, it's. I can't stand Barstool sports, period. I can't either. It, it's total bro centric. Yeah. It, I just don't like it. I like to have my meat. Chad and Brad's. Chad's and Brad's. <laughs> and Brad's. I, I can't stand it. I, I can't stand it. And one of my buddies um, is a huge proponent of Barstool sports. And I don't know how you, you know what? You know, not breaking news, but it came out a couple of days ago. But Booger McFarlane. Yeah is going to be on uh, Monday Night Football. He's going to be the new analyst for it, taking over for Witten, which I think is... And people
1: are not going to be obstructed with the the McFarlane machine that was going across the sideline.
0: But the whole point about, and me bringing this up, is that a lot of people were really into getting Pat McAfee on monday night football people like there were hashtags out there people Mm. were legit trying to get him to go on there i don't understand you know there's people that want pat mcafee to be our kicker has been posting videos of him like kicking field goals instead of i'm good nope i'm good (laughs) i'm good man like don't get me wrong he's a fun podcast to listen to yeah
1: he he is hilarious he's where he's supposed to be in the wwe
0: exactly i don't want to hear him you know, debating on, you know, if Dallas Cowboys should go for it on fourth and three, right. you know, at the 30-yard line. I don't care about what Pat McAfee, you know, what his whole deliberation is going to be on that. I don't need to hear that. Yeah, that uh it, it, It's bro sports. Yeah. Right. Bro sports that,
1: like we said, Chad's and Braz, that fraternity style yeah. thing. Like, there, it's cool to a certain extent. They just it's so much it's so inundated with barstool and tried to follow him on Instagram for a little while and I was watching their stories I got so annoyed I unfollowed so it like I it's too much it's it's too much you, you know you mentioned Pat McAfee I enjoy listening to him but I can only really do so much and there's only certain moments where you should have that kind of analysis that kind of angle that you're gonna take you put him in a Monday Night Football thing again Too much, gonna be inundated with it. He's fun to listen to. I laugh. I know our buddy Tommy Caroselli loves the duty. Like he swears by his podcast and stuff. But it would be too much for the elements that you're in. There is a certain. There's different levels of professionalism in the different angles, the different positions you can be in in sports broadcasting. Things we're still learning, but we can already tell. Barstool,
0: you're doing too much. Yeah, way too much. Doing too much. It, just random quick question. Uh, Marvel. And yeah, why not? Yeah, <laughs> let, let's go. No, with I'm Marvel. just kidding. Now, question? My, my question though was going to be, who did you want to take over the lead color on uh, Monday Night Football? I think Peyton would be really good. Peyton would have been really good. I had a dark horse. But I can horse see
1: why he doesn't want to do it.
0: Yeah, it, it's a lot of scrutiny. It's a lot of you
1: know things that go along not, with it. Not even that. I think I think he really is enjoying the. While he gets to do a lot and mm-hmm. does those things for ESPN Plus, breaks the detailed series. Yeah, him and Kobe
0: do that. Yeah, he gets that family time. Yeah, which is hey, more power to you. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen Nate Burleson. <laughs> oh yeah, Nate Burleson would have Nate been Burleson awesome. is, is at really good. It. He would have been awesome at that. I I was really looking forward to seeing either Peyton because you know Peyton's been doing a ton of stuff for ESPN. Mm-hmm. You know, you're talking about the ESPN Plus, and they're doing a ESPN NFL 100. Sort yeah, of where thing. he's gonna where, go around and talk. To so like Joe Joe he's Namath he's going to talk about all the greats and you know Jim Brown I saw having there fun moments with him like absolutely
1: that SNL version that you know in the commercial the, the, the funny <laughs> yeah the funny side of Peyton but also yeah. the serious side and his ability his knowledge his intellect to break down the game it would have been awesome to see that on Monday Night Football right it would have been yeah. awesome to see that but I think the series that he's going to come out with that documentary series yeah. that's going to be something that would be worth it to kind of subscribe to ESPN Plus <sighs> before we get out of here real quick we, get, we got to do this man yep your thoughts
0: on Endgame. Just it, gen- it, as generic as, as you generic can. As generic as possible. Endgame was awesome. I loved it. I, it's a top. It's a top five Marvel movie. I have a bone movie. to pick with you because I saw. This. I, I, I know you did. I know you did. A lot of people are going out out there. You know they're debating on what's better, Endgame or Infinity War, which obviously was the one that came out last mm-hmm. year. I go Infinity War personally. I go Endgame. And why do you go Endgame? Because while there was a lot, probably a lot
1: more surprises, or, or surprises were hit kind of more often mm-hmm. in Infinity War. I felt the same way at the end of that movie. That's not a spoiler now for yeah. Infinity War. That so many people were were snapped out of existence. So many of the super superheroes were snapped out of existence. I felt the same way at the end of that movie. I'm about to nerd out right here. Yeah. I felt the same way at the end of that movie that I did at the end of Harry Potter. And the Deathly Hallows Part One, mm-hmm. when W dies, and you know you feel like you feel like the heroes are defeated, and again, that's that's bringing a sense of life and sure. reality sure. into it. And I think Marvel does an excellent job at that. But the way what going into it and leaving that theater, I couldn't see Infinity War again. It mm-hmm. took me a while. I may have seen it twice because I had to see it with my dad. Yeah. Then it took me a while before I even binge watched it on Netflix when it came out. Yeah. I've only seen it three total times.
0: I've already seen Endgame twice. I'm gonna see it a th- third time somehow in the theater. We're yeah. We're uh, my wife Kelly and I. We're we're planning on seeing it a third time here. Hopefully within the next you know week or so. It's I, a, it's the move. So for me, Endgame is better because I am willing to go
1: back and watch it over and over and over and over again. And I'm gonna admit to everybody out there. Hey, make fun of me for this. I don't care. Cried. I cried. Oh, yeah. I I ugly cried. Okay. I cried hard. The second time I saw the movie, I, like there was the the opening night I went. Just quickly, mm-hmm. there was you could hear like one or two people like you could hear them actually crying in the theater, yeah. and there were I could hear people behind me making comments. So I kind of like I put my coat, yeah. put my coat over yeah. my over my <laughs> mouth and stuff so people couldn't hear me. Yeah, I didn't I just let it go that on the second, second time. time yeah. Like I was.
0: I was bawling my eyes out. I had happy tears, sad tears, every emotion in the book in three hours. See, and that's the thing. I've never laughed, cried, had chills, all of that in a three-hour and one-minute time frame for a movie, which... I agree with you. It's great, and that's why it makes it a top five Marvel movie for me. Not even top three. I think uh, it, 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 I, it's I was okay with verge- you saying Infinity War is better. I think it was on, the top five. It, it's on the top five to three range. Okay. It might be four or five for me. I love Civil War. I could watch Civil War every day. Oh, I could watch. Civil I could War. watch Guardians of the Galaxy. But Civil every War was day. a little too was,
1: in certain moments, especially with the the guy that was you know kind of an offshoot of the Russians that or the Soviet that kind of had The
0: that, Winter Soldier and, yeah, like, yeah but the guy that you know revamped that program Okay yeah 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 was yeah. a
1: little too direct and gory for me and I don't mm-hmm. get into that kind of stuff
0: and like I, I loved I loved Civil War I loved Guardians of the Galaxy I really oh, loved Guardians and, of the Galaxy so Yeah e- exactly Infinity War I love Thor Ragnarok the, the, Do you see why yeah. like I, I have it right I want to say top three but it, realistically right now Endgame's top five for me whenever I went to go see it the first time, I had chills. I was like, oh my mm. god. Whenever certain things happened and certain people start wielding things, it was amazing. But <laughs> Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> not giving anything I not say any names, but whenever things start happening, and and at the very, the most climatic moment of the movie is the last hour of that movie, whenever everything goes crazy. Mm. And I know, you know what I'm talking about, and I know 90% of the people that are listening to this, Know what we're talking yes. about whenever everything starts getting crazy mm-hmm. I-, I had chills for that the second time i went to go see it i had chills but they weren't as big. So in my mind, every time that I see Infinity War and I see Thor come back with Stormbreaker and he, yo, bring me Thanos, whenever he yells bring me Thanos, I got goosebumps saying bring me Thanos. Like, every time I watch that movie, I get goosebumps.
1: Right. And up until that point or through that fight scene, like, I was so into it and it's that, it's that ending, it's that lasting image at the end of Infinity War that, even though Endgame ends a certain way too, sure, I can
0: deal with it more. I love and the way I put endgame. End game- above
1: infinity war but I think they're both top 3 for me.
0: I love the way Endgame wrapped up everything. And when once we're we're going to be wrapping this up here pretty soon, but I love the way Endgame wrapped up every everyone's yes. storyline. And
1: that's why I yes. handled the way that they ended
0: the and movie fair, a yeah. little bit
1: more than Infinity War because I knew that there was still more of that story. But speaking of wrap-ups, that's going to wrap it up for the Bernie Kosar edition and of And we're going to talk the about Endgame
0: next week whenever. It's yes. Spoiler, you know, we're, gonna, we're allowed to talk spoilers. There's a
1: way book. I want to end this podcast right now I will tell Paulus off air Mm -hmm. I'm not gonna do it now because I'm big on no spoilers and I'm gonna hold true to that until the ban is lifted by the Russos on Monday so for Nick Paulus I am Kevin Arnold and remember sports fans don't let anyone ever tell you it's just a game we'll see you next week